Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, everybody, deep breath here. Deep breath. I keep trying to get away from Uvalde. I keep trying. As God is my witness, there are a million other things, but they just keep pulling me back in. I just keep getting sucked back into this giant, giant lie. Oh my, okay, they've got another photograph of video footage. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying this. It's so ridiculous. They have a picture of a drawing of a hologram. They have another picture of video footage from the surveillance camera, which wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. And in this particular picture, you have revealed a sheriff's deputy by the name of Felix Rubio. Now, this guy happens to be, allegedly, the father of a girl named Alexandria or Lexi Rubio. He, along with his wife, of course, we're talking a month ago now, uh, were interviewed again by ABC right there on the spot magically, and uh, not a single tear out of any of them, either one of them, not one tear. But yet, here they are, or here he is rather, casually standing around in this building where his daughter allegedly went to school and was killed. Now, what's the excuse that they're using for this and his presence on this particular photograph? Which, by the way, this picture, which I've tossed up on my Gab account, has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, approximately 15 people just all standing around looking as casual as casual can get. He's holding a rifle. Uh, he has a sidearm, from what I can tell. And he's just standing there. But the story that they're, that they're using regarding this is they're saying, well, he had no idea that his daughter was dead. So if anybody sees this photo, it's because he has no idea yet that his daughter's dead. A couple of basic things here. Basic questions. What would you do? in this scenario. If you yourself were a sheriff's deputy, and this were real, which it wasn't, but, but if you were an actual sheriff's deputy inside of a school where your daughter actually attended, and you found out that there was a shooter and that people had died, and you show up to the scene, what exactly are you going to do? Because this dad, I'm using finger quotes, is standing here casually. I understand it's a photograph, it's a still photo and whatever else, but there was no shooting, and yet here he is just casually standing here. Don't you think that your responsibility as a father would take primary concern in first place over you being a police officer? And that the first thing that you would do if you were to enter a building is immediately go and get your daughter, if this were real, which it wasn't. 
Wouldn't that be the first move you'd make? Absolutely it would be. I'd be banging on doors, kicking doors, yelling my daughter's name. Don't have a daughter, but if I did and I was in this situation and it were real, which it's not, that's exactly what I would have done. Not this guy, though. Just just casually whistling the, the day away, just standing here. Everybody just standing around. It can't possibly get more obvious that this is a giant hoax and no one was shot. A single trigger was not, not just wasn't pulled. A single, a single trigger was never pulled in this entire thing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how obvious this is. And again, you would think, gab of all places when it comes to social media, even, again, the Great Awakening boards and, and other else, and, you know, everything else, you would think that the top posts with the most uplikes and the most upvotes and the whatever, all of this sort of high school popularity garbage that exists on social media, you would think that someone would would shoot this hoax straight to the top of one of these websites, but they don't. There are still people out there who actually think it happened. They've already compartmentalized it in their own head, and they go, well, I know enough about it, so I don't need to go back and look at anything you know, ever again. See, here's the other thing. Don't ever tell a detective that, because detectives have cold cases all of the time. And they don't put those cases down. They go backwards in time, years after the fact, and say, wait a minute. A new clue has popped up. Maybe I should look into this again. You know, this... Uh, I'm rambling now. I'm so sorry. But in this entire scenario, again, they have yet to show us a single photograph of the actual shooter inside the building. Now that you have these magical security cameras, which you didn't have before, but now apparently you have them, all you're doing is exposing your lie even more, but why isn't a single person, not one, asking for a photograph from the video surveillance footage of the actual shooter? I mean, the guy allegedly just walked right into the building. Now, if you've ever been in a school building before, you know that there are security cameras all around the actual doors themselves. Not necessarily classroom doors, but certainly entrance and exit doors to the actual building. Not a single photograph of the actual shooter. I wonder why that is. Probably because he wasn't even there. He wasn't even in the building. Shut up, Sean. You're crazy. That's crazy talk. No, it's the most logical thing. It's the most logical explanation. But Texas and all these Masons, they get together and they have one of their Senate hearings where they again point all the fingers at the poor police response. It's, it's so embarrassing. It makes me sick to my stomach. I'm shocked that, again, no one's asking the most basic of questions. Here's another one. And this is so stupid, ladies and gentlemen, that I can't, I can't even make this up. 
I mean, I like to think I'm a pretty creative guy, but I, I'm not this creative. This is so embarrassing, again, that uh, I, I don't have a logical explanation because it just defies all logic whatsoever. During their last school board meeting, the Uvalde Unified School District, honest to God, you can go and watch it on YouTube. These, these liars and these criminals are mocking all of us because they put their crime in front of everybody, assuming that no one is going to either watch nor see what it is that they're actually talking about. So I started watching the school board meeting. It wasn't any longer than any other school board meeting. They had their they had their meeting and then they go into executive session and then they come back and then they adjourn. You of course don't see the executive session. But here's what happens at the beginning of the meeting. They approve the agenda and then they immediately get to the public comments. Immediately get to the public comments. They don't say a flipping word about the shooting. No one on stage. Not a word. Not one word. So then what happens is they go to the public comments and who shows up for the public comments section of their school board meeting, their most recent school board meeting? But the crisis actors themselves, they all come back. Now, it's not all of them. I recognized at least three of them. One of them was a teenage girl who, again, when she was initially interviewed on camera for some news station, and it was it, you even see this girl in that Uvalde documentary that I linked on my Gab account and linked in a previous episode. She shows up again. She has a script. They all have scripts. They read from them. And then they walk away. And what do they say? They say the same crap that the Sandy hoaxers say over and over and over again. It's the same message. They say, we need, we, we need change. We, we need change. All this, all this vague, all these vague comments. So the girl speaks, and then another woman comes up and she says her thing. Something's going to change. And then another guy comes up, a bigger dude. Looked like maybe one of the fake Garza dads, the bigger one. And then, and he has a script where he's reading, he just haphazardly reads from that same list that I read to everybody on this show about all of the safety measures that the school district is supposed to have in place, including where the security cameras are and where they are not. Which, by the way, I believe in that document, it said that the elementary schools did not have security cameras. So, again, wrap your head around that one. But then wouldn't you know it, the mysterious quote-unquote stepdad of the Garza gal shows up again, the one who was fake crying in front of Anderson Cooper. He shows up again. He's got his hat backwards, he's wearing a black shirt, he's got sunglasses on, just like he did when he was fake crying with Anderson Cooper. Same dude. Shows up, says the same crap. Same fake crying. It's ridiculous. And then here's the funniest part, as if that's not hilarious enough. Here's the funniest part. Again, can't make this up. Like clockwork, the public comments section ends, and then they get right into their agenda. 
And what's the first item on their agenda? Dress code. It's dress code. They just start talking about the dress code for students and whether or not it's equitable and diverse and not discriminating against anybody. Does this sound like a school district that really had a shooting? Is that what you discuss at the beginning of your school board meeting after a shooting? Keep in mind, they already had another, another board meeting previously, which I covered on the show, where again, they didn't bring up the shooting at all. At all. And that was on June 3rd, I think. Now, this one just happened last week, if I'm not mistaken. Not a peep, not a single word from anybody on stage about the shooting. All the crisis actors at the lectern use the word massacre. Who says the word massacre with such regularity? Actors do, not real people. They all said massacre, 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 right down the line, because they all are told, here are the words you have to use, use these words. And then their brain kicks in. These aren't the smartest people in the world, but their brains kick in and they go, oh, yeah, that's right, I got to use that word, massacre. And then they say it. And it's completely out of place. But again, no one on stage says a thing, a single thing about it. Now, let me use the Oxford, Michigan school board, school district as, as the exact opposite on the spectrum. Not only did they have board meetings, it was the sole subject for which they were discussing. They had no other agenda. There were a couple other things, now that I think back on it, there were a couple other things they brought up, like the superintendent gave a presentation and whatever else, but the vast majority of it had to do with talking about safety measures, this, that, and the other, and the kids who died, and then four parents came up and whatever. Again, I, I, want, I want people to understand my wavelength on this, too, because I can't be the only one that's thinking this. It's getting to the point now, even with the Oxford shooting, where I'm starting to even doubt that. Now, I believe that still happened. I believe that's still a thing. I, f I find it next to impossible that, um, th that it didn't happen. Jesse James tossed this my way also. He said that they are going to release the entire, uh, or at least I would assume the majority, of the security footage inside the building when it, actually, when it actually happened. That's what should happen. That's what should happen in every single case. Not so with Uvalde, though. Not so with that. Not to mention, they wouldn't, uh, the, the city council, apparently, wouldn't let the quote-unquote citizens even attend the city council meeting, and what was the excuse they used for kicking out the media and, and the citizens was that they were afraid, that city council was, had been threatened and they were afraid and intimidated by the media and intimidated by people. Ladies and gentlemen, it's against the law to kick people out of a public hearing. I know that it's been going on over the last two years with regularity, but it's against the law. And what a convenient excuse. Well, we're afraid. We've been threatened. No, no, you haven't. 
If you've been threatened by anybody, it's people who are telling the truth who know that the whole thing was a hoax. And everybody's just covering it up by not even talking about it. They're not even saying anything about it. I'm blown away. All anybody has to do is watch the last board meeting from the Uvalde School District. That's all they have to do. It goes, again, from fake actors to, well, let's make sure that kids are all wearing clothes that are equitable and that no one's discriminated against. Next subject, then they talk about food, and then they talk about summertime programs. Honest to God, it's the most casual meeting I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. Not a peep. Not a peep. It gets funnier, too, this, the, the whole story. Here's another one. Shot Uvalde teacher, this comes from the blaze, shot Uvalde teacher, called police officer, husband, told him she was dying. He tried to rescue her, but was stopped, removed from scene, and his gun was taken. No, it wasn't. (laughs) No, it wasn't. This is fake. None of this happened. Eva Morellis if that's her real name, which it isn't, because she has another name when her same photograph is used during the Sandy hoax. So the same teacher was killed twice in two separate states. So this gal has two, two, three, or five, five rounds in her and thinks to call her husband and ask for help and her husband shows up to rescue her, along with whoever else, but he's arrested at the scene, and his gun is taken from him. Who believes this? They should be hit in the head with a tack hammer because they're a moron. I, I, can't, I can't believe the stupidity of this whole thing, and people are just buying it. I have a, I have a bit of a call to action here. This just came to mind. Anybody listening to this, do you know of someone who is in the field of education, either at the university level, K-12 level, an employee, preferably a teacher, or even administrator? Do you know someone who works in those environments and knows that this didn't happen? Because I would love to talk to that person. I would love to talk to somebody who knows that it didn't happen, who works in one of these environments, because really the only question I would ask them is, well, I'd ask them a few, but one of them would be, what are your colleagues saying about this? What, what, what are they all saying? What was the reaction in your, uh, in your faculty meeting after this occurred? Did anybody question its veracity at all? Did anyone stand up in a faculty meeting? Because as you heard me say, I'm certain the faculty meetings were plentiful. At the end of the school year there, after this occurred, of course, at the end of May, the timing was perfect. Because most schools, again, were about to close. You know, end of the end of the year faculty meetings, something like this gets brought up and they look at all the teachers and they say, when you come back here next year, we're going to have all kinds of safety measures in place and 
that's going to be our priority over the summer and blah, blah, blah. You know that those meatheads said that. You know all those meatballs ended up saying that. But with someone in a faculty meeting and they stood up and they went, this didn't happen. This was, this was fake. This whole thing was fake. I want to shake that person's hand. I want to talk to that person. I really do. Again, I know that there are a lot of individuals who listen to this show, lots of different professions. But if you're in the field of education still and you're listening to this, you're you're and you're still listening to this show, you're you're still more awake than probably 90% of the people you work around, which is fantastic and thank you for listening. But I would love to talk to somebody who knows that this didn't happen, who still works in those environments, and just gauge their response and and get their 100% perspective on what they think their colleagues think about all of this. And again, what has their reaction been? And if they're actually awake and they know this was a hoax, are they telling their other you know, their other colleagues, or are they just uh, letting this slide? Because again, if I was a school teacher and I knew that this was fake while still being employed, uh, there's no way I'd let this slide. No chance. Somebody brings this up in a faculty meeting, I would, I would raise my hand and I'd say, I have, I have a comment. They'd go, well, Sean never speaks in faculty meetings. And I didn't, but I'd say, I have a comment. This didn't happen. None of this happened. The, ho- the whole thing was fake. And then I would say, would you like me to prove it to you? And then I would show them footage. You see, this is the best part about this lie. Is that with, with, with every step that they take now to try to normalize this or at least put it to bed. I have to keep bringing this up because I want people to remember that this was in fact a hoax, that none of this happened. And I'm not gaslighting anybody. I would never do that to people. I honestly wouldn't. I hate gaslighting. I hate the people who do it. I simply encourage individuals to think for themselves and look at the entire picture. You don't even have to look at the whole picture to know that this is fake. Basic human behavior tells us this is fake. Just based on the again the fake reactions of everybody and the the constant word same word usage in X Y Z, and I know I'm currently rambling about this and have now for the first twenty twenty three minutes or so, but we have to remember these kinds of things as being fake because there are countless people who believe it, and unfortunately, it's looking like eighty percent of the American population thinks this happened. Some people, again, are still starting to question particular things. I hope they arrive at the same conclusion that we have arrived at on this show, which, of course, is that it's fake. But they're asking questions like, wow, isn't that we?" I mean, they're just now, <laughs> you know, they're just now asking these questions. Now, I'm not tooting my own horn, but you heard me ask this particular question and bring this up weeks ago. I said, they're tearing the school down. 
it was within a week where they had already decided that they were going to tear the school down. Even Joe Biden commented on it. We're tearing this down because they don't deserve to go back into that building or whatever the hell was said. Well, now people are starting to compare that to Sandy Hook because within 48 hours, they took that school down. Now, I'm glad that those posts are bouncing around and people are looking at them. But the way that the human mind works, the way that it's tied in to electronics, is that it doesn't take long to distract the mind and get it onto something else and stop thinking about a particular issue. So they'll, again, they compartmentalize the issue in their own mind, they put it away, they shut that drawer, they lock it, and they leave it there, and then they're on to something else. You know, that's, that's not good enough in, in these kinds of cases. In, in these kinds of things where you're dealing with psychological warfare to the nth degree, you've got to keep that drawer open, unlocked, and able for anybody to go in at any time, yourself included, of course, and then examine what it is that's really going on. Because if we start forgetting about these hoaxes and all these lies and the people who are perpetuating them, then what? What comes after that? You know, I'll mention this too before I, I change subjects. Because I have a couple of the things I want to bring up here. And in fact, I have some audio that I want to play uh, from the local Oxford, Michigan Fox 2 news about uh, their judge ordering the release of the surveillance video. Because again, that's what should happen in real shootings. Fake ones, of course, you can't release that footage because there is no footage. Or the footage, in this case with Uvalde, is telling that it was fake. With all of that said, I read an interesting post on one of the Chan boards, and I put it up on my gab, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. But it basically had – it was written over a year ago, and it, and it asked the question about civil war and what would civil war today actually look like. The conclusion that this writer or whoever it is that wrote it essentially arrived at was that civil war would be a law enforcement civil war. You would see good cops and bad cops, federal police and state police battling one another. And if certain state police were arrested by federal agents for doing the right thing, then you would have other state police officers, in particular in red states, then go to war with federal police or federal agents. They claim that that would be the civil war. I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing a big post, but it had to do, again, with an interagency war. I sort of feel like, just, you know, kind of deep down in my bones, I sort of feel like that's kind of happening right now. Because, again, I would love to talk with a police officer who knows that this whole thing in Uvalde was a hoax. Any, any police officer anywhere, unless, of course, they're all brainwashed and they all think that this was real. But that's mathematically impossible. There has to be someone in that profession who knows that this was a hoax. And again, if they know that it was a hoax and they work in law enforcement, are they telling the people around them that they work with, their colleagues, that this was a hoax? 
What's the communication like on this subject? I'm very curious to find that out. I would like to know that. But anyway, that's that. Okay, here's audio from Oxford, Michigan, Fox 2, regarding the judge's order to release the surveillance video. And again, shout out to Jesse James for tossing this my way. I, um, I believe that the, the trial for the parents is set to commence sometime in September, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I do know that their lawyers were looking for another venue for the trial for the parents because the juries would be compromised where they live. And stacking a jury against these parents is going to be something that happens. There's no doubt about it. Because again, you can't send parents to jail for not knowing that their kid stole their gun and then took it to a school and used it. It's absurd that these parents are on are, are you know on trial uh, or going to be and are sitting in prison right now in shackles. I I cannot believe it. But that's what they want for all of us. And I want everybody to again sort of understand that bigger picture. That right there is a snapshot of what they want for all Americans who use a gun or a. Uh, it's just it opens up a can of worms. It's almost too big to even mention, because then framing people becomes remarkably easy to do, because the precedent would be set here that well, you know, there was the crumbly parents and look what they did. Well, they didn't do anything. They didn't pull a trigger. They didn't hand the gun to their child and say, now get into that school and do your best. I mean, they didn't do that, but they want this for everybody. They want this for every legal gun owner to create massive problems, not just in the state of Michigan, but everywhere. So here's the audio in three, two, one. Two deaths. I have a kid standing next to the guy that got shot right in the back of the head so he could watch where the murderer is saying it right to him, lay down on the ground and go right next to him. The horrific, deadly shooting at Oxford High, now the subject of criminal and civil proceedings. Attorney Vin Johnson handed a big victory in court Wednesday on the civil side. A judge ordering the release of all evidence contained in the Oakland County Sheriff's Office file relating to the Oxford High School shooting, including surveillance footage. On behalf of the victim's families, they have an absolute right to these materials. And in other cases that involve any tragedies, uh, they give these things up without any emotions because it's a public document. Prior to granting the release of video and documents, the judge had concerns about some of the evidence being released and influencing the criminal trials of alleged shooter Ethan Crumbly and his parents. Of course, you are entitled to discovery. I think the question is the timing that you are entitled to it. And Certainly, to your credit, you're a very high-profile lawyer. You are in the news every single day. I can imagine uh, that it could be prejudicial if those, let's say, the security cam videos, if those were out and disclosed. There is a mechanism where... Uh, we could have a discussion with the prosecutor's office or someone who wants to view the video 
but not have a copy of it. The Oakland County Prosecutor's Office released a statement saying, quote, it will seek to intervene, end quote, in an effort to stop the release of the documents and videos, citing concerns about the impact on the criminal trials and giving the Oxford school shooter the notoriety he sought, writing in part, quote, the civil cases are also an important part of achieving justice for the victims, but we are asking that the criminal cases be allowed to proceed before more evidence is released. They go on to say, we want to avoid any public release of video or other evidence that could inadvertently encourage future shooters. We asked a representative of the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office what intervening will look like and if they've already taken legal action to prevent the release of documents and video. We're still waiting to hear back. Hillary Goldston, Fox 2 News. See, now I have more questions. Now I just have more questions. I think everybody should have more questions. Again, why, why is it that it's always the left's approach to not release evidence of something that allegedly happened and it's already happened. So why, why, why the double explanation or excuse of, well, it's going to motivate future shooters and we can't have that. Well, why would they say that? That makes no sense whatsoever. If someone wants to kill somebody, they just do it. They don't go, well, Ethan did it, so I'll go do it. It doesn't work that way. That's number one. Number two, why would releasing the evidence of the security footage have any impact on the trial whatsoever? I, I just, I, I don't know. Jury selection, maybe? I mean, I'm asking a legit question. I, I really don't know. I, I don't understand. I don't understand those, those two angles. It doesn't hold any water for me. But, uh, yeah. I fully understand the civil attorney's approach. It's public record. This stuff is public record, and that should be known to the public because that's what it is. We have the right to see. Uh, funny how that's not happening in the old Uvalde thing. Strange. Strange, isn't it? Not even happening. No one's even asking to see that footage. No one's saying, release all of it. Or, hey, can we have a picture of the guy inside of the building? Because again, if Ethan Crumbly really did it, we'll be able to see. We'll be able to see this take place. And it won't scare me to watch it. I'll watch it. I think it's terrible if it happened. It's terrible. But again, not so with Uvalde. No, no, no. We have Matthew McConaughey, ladies and gentlemen. And if he says it, well, then it must be true. Everybody fall back asleep and go back into the Matrix. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. In one, in one example with the Michigan thing, you're seeing the legal process play out the way that it's supposed to. In the Uvalde thing, you're watching an absolute media circus. One of these things happened, and one of them did not. Because you cannot have two polar opposite reactions and actions to a shooting like this and have them both be right. Someone is wrong. Someone's wrong. The old false equivalency definition yet again. Okay, moving on. Jab-related stuff yet again. Uh, here's something you've heard before. Guarantee it. This comes from American Family News or AFN.net from Chad Groening. 
and its titled Vaccine Push Has Little to Do with COVID, says Doctor. A former Army doctor who was relieved of his military duties for warning soldiers about the risks of taking the COVID jab believes that the Department of Defense mandate is a way to purge the military of critical thinkers. Correct. That's it. These mandates, masks, all of it, it exposed, and this was something too that I was thinking about just today as I was driving around, running a few errands. I thought to myself, remember two years ago, remember the summer of 2020 when, when the mask craziness occurred and everybody was panicking and you look into a restaurant and everybody's, you know, putting stickers on the floor and everybody's losing their minds. Remember all of that from two years ago? See, I keep that fresh in my head as, as often as I can. And I, I, I try to go back to that, to that moment to remember how insane people were. And then all of a sudden, everybody else just, you know, sort of cools out and then everybody just slips back into the matrix, but they do so without a mask on now. Purging these, employee, uh, these places of employment of critical thinkers was the entire operation. That was the entire motive, without a doubt. The individuals who are more likely to be alive, even now, are the individuals who work independently. The unjabbed are more likely to be individuals who work independently. Maybe they're a small family-owned business. Maybe it's just a singular person with a singular job and they have their own business. Those people are more likely to be alive, as opposed to these giant corporations, schools, the military, all of it. Because in those environments, you're having to basically just do what everybody else is doing or else. And of course, that was the coercive measure. But I want to get into this article because again, this is the point. This is massive and this is, this is the point. This is originally from LifeSite News and they reported that Army physician Dr. Pete Chambers was serving as a task force surgeon for Operation Lone Star, the military border assignment between Texas and Mexico, when he started noticing vaccine injuries among the soldiers he treated. AFN previously reported that Dr. Chambers, now retired from the U.S. Army, personally had an adverse reaction to his Moderna COVID vaccine and now suffers from demyelination no way I'm saying that right, a condition affecting the central nervous system. So he's jabbed. Not good. He decided months ago that it was his duty to warn soldiers about the potential risks of the COVID shots, but the Army soon replaced him with a doctor who towed the vaccine line. Dr. Chambers believed the Biden Pentagon is unyielding in its pro-vaccine position for a reason. Quote, I'm out of uniform now, so I can probably give you my personal opinion on this without some kind of retribution, he begins. In my opinion, we're purging the military of critical thinkers like me who had to stand up and say, no, sir, that's an unlawful order. I will continue to give informed consents. That's the regulation, unquote. Dr. Chambers adds that the DOD is trying to cover up the extensive number of shot-related injuries both reported and unreported among the troops. 
They're having brain fog, he says. They're having long-term effects. Their immune system is going down. All of these things, he lists. He then said, quote, If I were a nefarious actor, if I were a bad guy, and I was to create a bioweapon, this is what I would create. It is my contention that eventually we will see that it is a bioweapon, the physician continued. He says the following, quote, Eventually it will be proven and eventually we will be giving purple hearts to soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines that have been wounded in this bio-warfare attack. That is my personal feeling. Chambers, who is now a civilian medical pra- and has a civilian medical practice in Oklahoma, has made his life's mi- has made it his life's mission to warn Americans against taking the dangerous injections. Good for him. Thank God. Too bad he had to get jabbed. Too bad again he didn't think about it for himself initially. But um, wow, he's a hundred percent right. right. It's about purging all of these places of any independence whatsoever and just breeding a hive mind within these environments. But again, the people running these environments have no idea that they're destroying their own professions, that soon they will cease to exist, both as people and as a profession. That's, That's terrible. I hope that does not happen, but, you know, time is really the only test that matters. Speaking of employment, in my travels uh, the other day, I cannot help but see signs everywhere for a local school district begging people to be school bus drivers. Now hiring, now hiring school bus drivers. We need school bus drivers. They can't even, these schools can't even get school bus drivers because they don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to take any jab. They don't want to be coerced. They don't want to be yelled at. I mean, who knows? I might end up being a school bus driver and uh, I would be the coolest one out there, I think. You know, we'd listen to any kind of truth radio inside of my bus, and uh, no one would ever wear a mask, and then the second that they'd mandate them, I'd quit, and that would be the end of that. But, man, these people, I'll tell you what, they have no idea they're destroying their own professions. Not a clue. Not a clue. Now, here's the next thing I want to read, and again, this is hilarious, and if you've listened to this show Uh, frequently, you know that I like to read through some of these scientific articles, certainly the abstract, which of course encompasses the the background and the methods and the results and then the conclusion. Uh, Take a guess as to exactly how this particular article ends, because unfortunately, most of these articles tend to end the exact same way, even given the title and the discovery as a result of uh, conducting such a study. This was just from last week, and it comes from the American Society of Andrology. And it's titled, COVID-19 Vac- Vaccination, BioNTech 162B2, Temporarily Impairs Semen Concentration and Total Modal Count Among Semen Donors. Quick summary, it kills semen. Kills them. 
Abstract. It says background. The development of COVID-19 vaccinations represents a notable scientific achievement. That's how they started. Nevertheless, concerns have been raised regarding their possible detrimental impact on male fertility. Possible? Hmm. Objective. To investigate the effects of COVID-19 BioNTech 162B2, the Pfizer vaccine, on semen parameters among semen donors. The methods. 37 semen donors from three sperm banks that provided 220 samples were included in the retrospective longitudinal multi-center cohort study. The vaccination included two doses. The vaccination completion was scheduled seven days after the second dose. The study included four phases. Uh, A pre-vaccination baseline control, which encompassed one to two initial samples of sperm donor T1, T2, and T3, short, intermediate, and long-term evaluations, respectively. Each included one to three semen samples per donor provided. The primary endpoints were semen parameters. I don't even know what that means. Not sure I want to know. Three statistical analyses were conducted. One, a generalized estimated equation model. Two, first sample. And three, samples means of each donor per period were compared to T0, the baseline, apparently. It then says the following. Uh, The discussion here, it says this longitudinal study focused on sperm donor demonstrates selective temporary sperm concentration in TMC deterioration three months after vaccination followed by later recovery verified by diverse statistical analysis. So they're saying they eventually recovered, so it's not that big of a deal. Conclusions, here it comes, and then I'm going to tell you where these sperm where these actual sperm banks were. Uh, Systemic immune response after the BioNTech162B2 vaccine is a reasonable cause for transient semen concentration and TMC decline. Last sentence, long-term prognosis remains good. So they're openly saying after the second shot, your sperm die. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the long-term prognosis is good because some people recovered. Now, where were these sperm banks? Israel. All six were in Israel. I'm just going to leave it there, and you can decide for yourself as to the veracity of the study. Which, by the way, Israel is arguably the most jabbed country in the world, from what I recall. And, of course, you're probably aware countless individuals continue to just drop like flies here regarding this. Athletes, young athletes, college athletes, newly drafted athletes, apparently. Um, Here's one from ABC News. The U.S. coach knew something was wrong when she saw artistic swimmer Anita Alvarez sink motionless to the bottom of the pool during a solo free routine at the World Aquatics Championships. Fully clothed, she dived in. Uh, She swam to the unresponsive Alvarez, put her arms around her, and lifted her to the water's surface where another person helped get her out of the pool. A member of the team of Team USA rescued her after she fainted, quote-unquote. 
during the free solo artistic swimming routine at the Budapest 2022 World Aquatics Championships. Yes, that's right, because fainting in a pool is something that occurs all of the time. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end this episode with a bit of good news. Apparently, the Supreme Court has decided to read the Constitution, and now they have apparently just ruled that firearms in public can be carried by anybody of age, apparently, out in the open. Open carry now across the United States. Take that, Uvalde. Take that, gun grabbers. Take that. I love it. So I will end this episode with the words from the late, great William Cooper on the business of guns in this country and what he saw coming a long time ago. With that said, give this a listen and I'll catch you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, take care. If you look around at all these mountains around here, there's enough guns, ammunition, supplies, clothing, and food buried in these mountains to support an army for 15 years. And I, I don't think the American people realize that they're on the brink of a civil war. You see, there are many of us who took an oath when we went in the armed forces and we meant it. We volunteered. We weren't drafted. We care about this country. And the oath was to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we will fulfill that oath, even if it means we die in the process of doing it. It's that simple. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.